Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for uh, worshiping with us. Uh, we are in part four of our series, How to Survive a Horror Movie, How to Always Survive a Horror Movie. Uh, and what we're doing is looking at our life and how often they actually can reflect horror movies. You may not believe it, you may not see it, uh, but as we kind of dive in, we can realize that, you know, some of these cliches that we see over and over in horror movies they kind of reflect our own life. They kind of reflect what's going on uh, in a lot of situations. And so we, we've done the past three weeks. If you've missed any of those, I'd encourage you to go online, uh, check those out and catch up with them on our archive. Uh, but today we are in part four. Hard to believe this series is already coming to a close next week, but we're in part four. Uh, and today we're gonna be starting our time by looking at the book of James. So if you have a Bible, you have an app, you wanna follow along, we're gonna be in the book of James. Uh, we'll have the scriptures as always up on the screen if you wanna follow along uh, that way. But this is what it says. You guys ready? You guys ready to hop into service? We're ready. All right, let's go, let's go. This is what it says in James chapter five, starting in verse 13. James writes, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. Can we get some elders to come and lay hands on my throat real quick? Uh, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So James is talking about prayer here, and I would like a moment of honesty if we could, okay? And I'm, I'm going to be participating, so you're not left out. Um, but I would like to real quick have everyone who feels like they don't pray as much as they should just shoot their hands up. You don't pray as much as you should. Online too, you're not excluded from this. That, that's everybody. <clears throat> that's all of us. All of us don't pray as much as we should. Now, we all have varying reasons for this, right? Uh, we're busy. You know, there, there's constantly something to do. Our schedules are crazy. We're forgetful because of everything going on. We have good reasons for it, but I kind of think the main issue for a lot of us, why it can be easy to fall out of habit and fall out of prayer, is actually right here in the text that we just read. Let me read this one more time, James chapter five, uh, just verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Talking about honesty, I wonder if we're honest with ourselves, do we really believe that? Do we really believe that prayer is powerful and it's effective and it can heal the sick, and it can restore relationships, and it can bring back uh, the dead. Can, can prayer really do that? I, I think that there's a question there. I think that a lot of us are like, well, I, I don't know. I, can, I, I believe that God blesses my food before I eat it, but I don't know if God's going to be able to fix this or to change that or to heal me in this way because I have prayed. I have offered up prayers to God and it feels like I'm not getting an answer. It feels like my prayer is going unheard. 
And if that is you today, if you're coming in here today in the middle of a horror movie moment and you're feeling like God is not hearing you, that your prayers are not being answered, I want to remind you, I want to encourage you, and I think God's word is going to teach us today that there is power in prayer. Let's pray real quick, all right? Heavenly Father, we uh, humbly submit ourselves to you today. Uh, We sit under your teaching. We want your word to inspire us. We ask that you would illuminate it in our hearts, that we would see it in a new, fresh way, and that we would understand what you would have to say to us when it comes to our prayer life. Do that for us, Lord, and we'll give you and you alone all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. We love you, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm with you. I'm someone who, you know, I can go through these periods of time where I don't pray as much as I should. I go through periods of time when the most prayer that comes out of my lips is on Sunday at one o'clock when the Browns get ready to kick off, right? Like, please, just just don't embarrass us. I'm not even asking for a win. Just don't embarrass us today, right? Um, So this is, this is, this is a big thing for a lot of us. Like, Prayer is just, it's a hard, hard thing. And as we start today, what I want us to do is, if you have a phone, which you do, go ahead and pull it out real quick, okay? Just pull your phone out real quick. I know this is a dangerous thing that I'm, I'm like begging for you to get distracted by pulling your phone out right now, but I want us to look at something, okay? So pull your phone out, and I want to call attention to your, your, your signal, the bars up there, the little bars. How many people are getting no service right now? Raise your hand. No service. Okay. One bar. We have one bar, one bar going once. No, two bars. Two? Okay, we got a few people with two bars, two bars. How about three? Okay, a lot with three. That's a good, that's a solid signal strength. How about four? Ooh, okay. Dare I ask, do we have five? Oh, is there even a six? I don't even, is there a six? Like ultra service, like that makes a call before you even try to make a call, right? Um, Okay, so we, we just saw that. Everybody in here, except for just a few people, which maybe it's time to upgrade your service provider, (laughs) but just about everybody was at three or more, three or more, online probably the same, three or more, um, which instantly puts you in a better grouping than the people in any horror movie I've ever seen, right? Like, (laughs) consistently in horror movies, people's phones get zero to no service. Just, we have zero bars, we have no signal, we can't get a call out, right? Like that's constantly happening in the middle of horror movies. Um, today, our sermon title, if you're a note taker, that's, that's our sermon title, Check Your Cell Signal. Check Your Cell Signal. Because man, in all these movies, um, and just some of the ones off the top of my head, uh, Jeepers Creepers, uh, uh, What a Stranger Cause, the, the Saw, uh, Saw One, the first Saw movie, all of these, these characters are in the middle of a terrifying situation. There's a killer, there's a ghost, there's somebody after them, and they have a phone, and it's charged, but whenever they pull it out, ah, no signal, no bars. They can be in the middle of a city, and they're like, I don't, I'm not getting any reception here. Like, it makes zero sense, but somehow, when they need it most, when they need their phone to work the most, when they need a call to get out the most, It can't. It doesn't. And I think for a lot of us, whenever we take off the the, the mask of perfect Christianity, where, oh no, blessed be the name of the Lord, everything's going great. I think when we take that off, we can probably say, kind of feels like my prayer life. Kind of feels like it. I'm finding myself in the midst of these horror movie moments when stuff is going down, stuff is not going the way that I wanted it to go, my life is falling apart. I'm calling out to God 
and there's no signal. I'm calling out to God and the call can't get out. What in the world is going on here? You feel like what we just read from James chapter five, that the prayer of a, of a righteous person is powerful, it's effective, it produces great results, that that's only true for those people. It's true for them, it's true for they, it's not true for me. Like. He always gets the promotion. Their marriage is doing great. That church is doing awesome. But like, they must have that red phone that connected Batman to the mayor's office with God because I'm telling you, I'm offering prayers up and I'm not getting any of that stuff. I'm offering prayers up. I, I want my kids to come back home. I, I want my friend to find Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting all these things, but it feels like mine are hitting a ceiling and there's a going through, what in the world is going on here? If I'm, if I'm being honest with you, as a pastor, I felt this way when I see other churches get brand new buildings and like huge gifts and stuff to their church. I love it. We're all on the same team, right? We're all on the same team. We're all the global church. But if I'm being real with you, there's a part of me that whenever I see it, I'm like, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> I'm so happy for you, like, right? Because you're like, ah, that's awesome. I just... I just want it too. Like, I just, I, I don't want you to not have it. I just, like, how are you praying? What, what are you doing? Like, can you tell me what's going on with your prayers that makes them so much more powerful and effective than mine? Because I feel like I'm praying, but we're seeing much different results. So all these kind of things, if you're anything like me, and that's, that's marked your prayer life from time to time, it kind of begs the question, okay, well, if I ask God for something, he doesn't give it because it's not in his will. What's the point of praying to begin with? Like, what's the point? Why pray? What, like, what's the power behind prayer if God is sovereign and he's already gonna do what he's going to do? Why even bother? So that's what I want us to talk about the rest of our time together. And I want us to read from the book of Romans real quick as we do. This is what it says in Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I think we need a little bit of Romans 12, 2 in our prayer life. I think we need a little bit of God conforming us, God transforming us and changing the way we think when it comes to our prayer life. We need to uh, have a new perspective when it comes to our prayer. And what I would say, I wouldn't just say a new perspective, I would say a proper perspective when it comes to prayer. We need to have a proper perspective of who God is, of who we are, of what prayer is supposed to be. Because if we have a proper perspective, it will produce a proper prayer, a proper prayer life, proper prayer requests. We have to have a proper perspective. You see, what I think has happened is uh, just through our traditions, just through our own beliefs, just through think what we thought to be the case, our perspective uh, it's become warped and it's become distorted when it comes to prayer. Because for many of us, this is myself included, we can fall back into these tendencies and beliefs where we see prayer as something that is all about my wants rather than God's will, right? Like we, we see prayer as being like, hey, God, here's the honeydew list for the week. Now 
get to it. Like this is, this is the stuff that I need you to do. I need you to get me out of this. I need you to fix this. I need you to change this. But that's not what prayer is actually supposed to be. Uh, a few years back, my brother, Zach, uh, it was his birthday and we're celebrating. We're, we're out to eat somewhere. I can't even remember where. But as we're celebrating his birthday, uh, we're, we're getting ready like, to finish up with the meal. And how it would work is we would eat dinner somewhere. Uh, whenever we would celebrate our birthdays, we'd eat dinner. And then we would go back to my mom's house. Uh, and whoever's birthday it was, they would be letting her know, this is the dessert I would want, like a birthday cake or something like that. They let her know she would buy it. We go back to the house and we eat it. So we're finishing up dinner and everyone's like, hey, Zach, like, what cake did you pick? Like everyone's trying to like, Ooh, what are we gonna have for dessert? Is it birthday? Uh, is it ice cream cake? Is it you know, chocolate cake? What, what's it gonna be? Um, he was taking a bite though, as someone asked. I can't even remember who asked, but hey, Zach, what, what kind of cake did you ask for? He's taking a bite. So my mom speaks up because she's the one who had to buy it. She says, carrot cake, carrot cake. And Zach kind of looks up and we're all kind of like, Zach doesn't like carrot cake. Who likes carrot cake? <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't ask for carrot cake. And sure enough, Zach like, kind of takes a bite and he puts the fork down. He's like, yeah, mom, I wanted carrot cake, right? <laughs> and then takes another bite and she starts to look concerned. Well, it is carrot cake. That's what, you, that's what I was told that you wanted. He's like, mom, I don't, I don't like carrot cake. Why did you buy carrot cake? My mom says, well, Amanda said, and Amanda is Zach's wife. She's like, well, Amanda said. And so we all look at Amanda and Amanda's like, Puts her head down, just starts eating her food again. <laughs> Zach's like, what, what, did you tell my mom I want a carrot cake? You know I don't like it. And so this is what Amanda says. She's, she says, well, Zach, I told you a bunch of times, your mom needs to know what you want for your dessert. You need to call her. You need to text her. You need to let her know. Since you never did, I just put in a request for carrot cake for myself. <laughs> Zach, Zach couldn't believe it. He's like, you got to be kidding. There's not actually carrot cake at the house. My mom says, I kid you not, when we get home, there is a carrot cake waiting there for you. If you think this is a joke, it's not a joke, right? <laughs> and that story came to mind immediately as I was preparing the sermon when I think about this, this idea of like a proper perspective of prayer, that it's all about God's will rather than my wants. Because I think that whole carrot cake incident is our prayer life a lot of the time. Like, it's supposed to be about God. Like, it's his day. This is his time. This is us communicating with him. But we put in the order for our carrot cake. We're like, nah, here you go. Nah, this is what I want. This is what you need to do. This is how you need to work for me, right? It's not about us, though. But we so often can make it about us. Prayer is not about my wants, my wills, my wishes, my desires. It's all about God. And we have to get that proper perspective to see it. For what it is. We have got to do what Romans 12, 2 says. We have got to let God transform us into a new person by changing the way we think, by seeing things correctly, by giving us a proper perspective. And honestly, one of the greatest ways for us to get a proper perspective, one of the greatest ways for us to understand that, you know what, I need to see things clearly. One of the best ways for proper perspective is just um, rather than eating carrot cake, <laughs> eating some humble pie. We need humility. Our prayer lives just need doused in humility. That gives us perspective, a perspective because we can go into prayer with like, hey God, I got my life figured out. This is what you need to do. But whenever we are doused in humility, we go into our prayer life saying things like, God, I trust you. 
Like, I, I got a list here, God, of everything that I want you to do, everything that I think you should do, everything about how my life should play out according to me. But God, I trust you. I trust you. And so I am admitting that if I could know what you know, I would pick what you would pick. And so I am just setting it down on the altar. I'm setting down my wishes, my wants down on the altar because I want what you want. I want to pick what you would pick. I don't want carrot cake. I want whatever you're going to choose. I want whatever you're going to say is best for my life. We need proper perspective, and it can come from humility, from humility. Another area that we get proper perspective, and this is kind of how we get that humility. This is how we cultivate humility in our life. We can have proper perspective in our prayer life when we do this one thing, and this is something that Jesus teaches us to do. I think all of our prayer lives would be so much better, and I'm trying to uh, incorporate this in mind more. Our prayer lives would be fantastic if at the beginning of every prayer, we paused. Just stop. Just pump the brakes for a second. A proper prayer that is built out of a proper perspective has to have a moment of pause where we take a moment to reflect on who we're talking to. Just stop for a moment. Just, okay, remember who I'm talking to. Remember that I'm talking to a great God who is a good God who loves me, who loves me. We need to pause on the goodness and the greatness of God, but don't take my words for it. Listen to how Jesus teaches us to pray. This is Matthew chapter six. Jesus in the previous verses has just said, hey, look, I know how the, I know how the rest of the world prays. I know how they do it. And this is Jesus talking. Jesus says, you have people stand up in front of a big crowd and they babble on and on and on. And they use really big words to sound really good. That's not what I want from you. When you pray, pray like this. And then Jesus jumps in and says, our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Now he, he finishes the prayer, but what I want us to focus in on is just this opening phrase. Jesus is saying at the onset of your prayer, before you even approach God, take a second to remember who exactly you're approaching. Take a moment to just pause because so many of us, what we can do is we just rush into the request. Dear God, help me with this. Dear God, help me with that, right? Like we, we barely have said who we're talking to before we jump into, here you go, the honeydew list. Can you handle this for me? And what Jesus is telling us is, man, Remember who you're talking to. Before you, before you bring any request before God, acknowledge who your father is. So me and Jessica with, with our girls, Griffin's still young, so this doesn't really apply to him yet, um, but it's coming for him. For our girls, every now and then there will be those moments where you know they've, they've had to get disciplined and they respond with this phrase, you don't love me, Right? And generally, the you don't love me is like, it flows out of telling them it's bedtime. Like, it's something that innocuous. Like, time to go to bed. What, already? You don't even love us. You don't even care. Like, right? And just jump into all that. Now, me and Jessica, typically the way that we handle this, at least the way we've been handling it recently, is with a heavy dose of sarcasm. Because if there's one great parenting tool that I can impart to you today, it's sarcasm, right? Don't, don't, don't follow what Pastor Jacob does. This could be completely wrong, but I'll tell you what we do, okay? So our girls will say something like that. And then typically what follows is us, you know, laying on the sarcasm and being like, I'm so sorry. I couldn't really hear you. You said that, did you say that we don't love you? I couldn't really hear you because, you know, the TV that we got you was 
playing so loud I couldn't really hear and it's playing the show you wanted to watch and we're sitting in your newly renovated bedroom that you wanted renovated and, and you're wearing, like I, I'm still, I'm just so captivated by this new shirt that you wanted that we got for you and all of this stuff going on right now, it's just got me like so blown away. I'm having a hard time listening to you. Did you say that we don't love you? Is that what you said? <laughs> and what, what we're doing in this moment besides potentially being terrible parents, but what we're doing in this moment is we're trying to get our kids to just pause for a second. Like, before you say anything else, remember who you're talking to. You don't think we love you. You don't think we know what you need. You don't think we care about where you're at. Sweetheart, this entire room you're sitting in shows that I care about you, shows that I love you, shows that I'm thinking about you. Just before you go any further, just hold on a second. Remember who you're talking to. Just pause. And it's so funny when we do that with our kids, it's like you can see the realization wash over their face as we're talking to them. Because it starts off, you don't love me, you don't love me. And then you say that, and as you're talking, you can see them kind of go from, uh, to, uh, <laughs> like they're kind of realizing, yeah, I guess this does sound a little crazy, right? Like you can see it wash over them because they're pausing to reflect on like, oh, that's, yeah, we are loved, <laughs> And I think God wants us to do the same thing in our, our, our conversations and our prayer time with him. Like, look, I know you have requests. I know you have needs. I know you have concerns. I know you have worries. But before we even get to those, remember who you're talking to. Remember that I am a God who is great and a God who is good. That's what I love about how Jesus says this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Jesus is referring to our God and saying, this is a holy God who is above us. He is completely different than us. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is, he is not even remotely like us. He is so wildly different and above us. He is great, but he's our Father. He loves us. It's intimate. It's personal. There's relationship there. Jesus wants us to acknowledge, look, the God you're talking to is all-powerful and you should be glad he's all-powerful because he's all-loving and he's all-good and he knows you and it's intimate and it's a relationship. Jesus wants us to pause on who we are talking to because if we do that and we have a proper perspective of God's identity, his identity will inform our prayer requests. Absolutely, 100%, it will. Remembering God's identity will inform our prayer request. It will help us have the proper perspective, which in turn will help us have a proper prayer life. Now, here, here is kind of our, you know, it's the most cliche pastor thing, but here's the one thing that if you forget everything else and you listen to just one thing I said today, this is it. This is that moment, okay? So here, here's where all this kind of ties in together. We need a proper perspective to produce a proper prayer. Once we have a proper prayer, this is really what it should look like. This is really what a proper prayer uh, should, uh, should sound like. The purpose of prayer is to lay down our will, not lift it up. That is, like, if there is one thing that I want you to walk away with today, knowing about your prayer life, is that it is not all about me taking my will, my wishes, my wants, and lifting them up to God, but it's saying, here's everything, I'm laying it down in submission to you. I am, I'm taking everything that I thought that I wanted, that I needed, that if I could draw out my life, this is the way it would go. God, I am humbly setting it down before you, saying, I want your will and not my own. I think that's why uh, Paul says 
in uh, uh, Romans uh, chapter 12, too, that whenever we uh, let God transform us into a new person, uh, whenever he, he does this, it means that we have got to let go of all of the old ways of thinking, right? Listen again to what Paul says. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Like, you've got to ignore the behaviors and the customs and the traditions of this world, especially when it comes to our prayer life. Because the traditions, the customs, the things that we've just naturally believed about prayer that we've gotten from the world or we've gotten from media or we've even got from churches sometimes. But, but the idea that we've gotten about prayer is that prayer is all about forcing your will upon God, like twisting his arm into giving you what you want. A lot of us have lived this way. Like, if I live good enough, God will give me what I want. If I pray good enough, God will give me what I want. I've got to force God to intervene on my behalf. That's what the world has taught us. And Paul's saying, man, we have to reject this idea that prayer is about us. We've got to reject this idea that prayer is about getting God to respond to your need. Prayer is not getting God to respond to your need. Prayer is your response to your need of God. That's what prayer is, realizing I am so not equipped to do this by myself. I am so not ready to handle life on my own. I have got to submit my wills, my ways, my wishes to God and follow his instead. The purpose of prayer is to lay down our will, not to lift it up. Um, my prayer life, I hate to admit this, but a lot of times my prayer life, I'm going to use a little football analogy. It's game day Sunday, so I'll use a little football analogy. Um, my prayer life, way more than I care to admit, it looks like this. <laughs> Does anyone know the red challenge flag? Does everyone know what this is? If you're unfamiliar and you're like, what's the red hanky doing up on stage? Um, this is what my prayer life looks so often like. Uh, in football, if there's a play, let's say, let's say later today, hopefully, Jacoby Brissett completes you know, a touchdown pass to Amari Cooper give the Browns a touchdown. Let's, let's hopefully say that that happens. Um, and and it, was, it was a tough catch, and it looks like maybe his toes weren't exactly in bounds, right? It, it was kind of close. What the opposing coach can do if they want to, like if they're looking at the replay, and they're like, ooh, it looks like they're, he might have had his toe on the line. They can pull out a challenge flag, throw it on the field and say, ah, nope, nope, I'm challenging this. I don't think that was a catch. I think his toes were out of bounds. And so what will happen is they'll take the video footage that they have, they send it to the uh, league offices in New York real quick, um, they, they review it, and then they get back and let them know, hey, we're either going to uphold the call, which means it was, yes, it was a touchdown, it was a catch, or we'll overturn the call. We'll say, now, like, the, the coach is right, like, this shouldn't have been, this shouldn't have been a, a completed catch for a touchdown, this is, this is an incomplete pass. I, I pray like this a lot, <laughs> more than I care to admit where something happens in life and I'm like, nah, challenge flag, I don't like it. <laughs> challenge flag, I don't like what I'm seeing on the field. I wanna challenge that. I don't like the way this relationship is going. I don't like the way uh, uh, this is going at work. I don't like the way this is going in my friendships and I'm gonna challenge it. God, come and over, overturn this thing. God, come and just, just come and overturn. Just come and undo everything. This is, this is my prayer life more than I would care to admit. Wanting God to come in and overturn the call on the field. And what I'm starting to learn, and God's trying to hit this into my head over and over again, and I'm not a quick study, so he's going to keep hitting me over the head with this, is that my prayer life should look less like a red challenge flag and more like surrender. Like, I'm not, I'm not coming in here trying to tell you what to do, God. I'm just coming in here saying, I know you know better. 
Like you, you've got it. You've got the will. You've got the way. You've got the knowledge. You see everything. I only, from my view, this doesn't look good, but God, I'm, I'm trusting your view. I'm trusting you. And so I'm not going to come to prayer asking you to overturn anything. I'm not going to come to prayer telling you what you need to do. I'm going to come and I'm going to take my wishes and my wants and I'm going to lay them down on the altar. I'm going to sacrifice them in humility, knowing that you know better. A proper prayer is a prayer of concession, a prayer of surrender, a prayer of submission. That's what a proper prayer life is supposed to look like. Now, you're probably wondering at this point, so does that mean no prayer requests? Like, that seems weird. Like, I, that doesn't seem biblical that I just never request anything in prayer. Like, it's just, uh, is that really right? That's not what I'm saying at all. Prayer requests absolutely are a thing. Honestly, I think one of the best pictures we ever get of prayer in Scripture is Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. It is like textbook, this is what prayers should look like. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is getting ready to be arrested. He's getting ready to go to his trial and his eventual crucifixion. And guess what? He has a prayer request. Like, he, he actually has a request. He doesn't just start into that prayer saying, God, it's your time. And again, I just want your will, not my own. I want your way, not my own. No, in this moment, Jesus says, I know the time has come, and Father, I don't want it to. Like, if there is any way I can do anything else other than this, other than this cup of suffering that's coming my way, I will take it. If there is anything else, but not my will, your will be done. You see, Jesus is requesting something. Requests aren't a bad thing. Requests are great and requests should be part of our prayer life. But the goal is for our requests to start sounding different than they used to. Like the, the goal is that God transforms what we pray for, what we ask for, what we request. And I believe that what happens is as we relinquish our will, we get rid of the red flag, as we relinquish our will and we receive God's will for our life, our requests will change. They'll start to shift. They'll start to sound different. They'll start to be different because we'll be doing what it says in Romans 12, 1, uh, where Paul says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. I believe that once our prayers start to become less self-centered and more God-centered, we start to become people who are just a living sacrifice. We say no to our own wishes, no to our own desires, no to our own, own ways, and instead just want what God wants for us. And it changes us. It changes how we pray and it changes how our prayers sound. I think about me and my wife, Jessica, and the prayers that we have prayed over our kids and if you're a parent, chances are you've prayed these same kind of prayers. Um, probably the words safe and protect have come up all the time. Like, God, keep them safe. God, keep them safe. God, protect them. God, protect them. We, we pray those all the time. Um, even sometimes we'll, we'll be in conversations and it'll kind of start to get, you know, funny and we'll be laughing and we'll be like, man, the world's just so crazy, which it is. Like, all you got to do is watch the news for like a second and realize the world's nuts right now. Like there's just, there's craziness happening all around. In fact, for some of us, some of the best things we could do is turn off the news because it, it can be so depressing. It can be so just, it can just tear you down seeing what's happening in the world. Um, and so we'll see this kind of stuff and we'll be talking to each other and be like, man, don't you just want to like, don't you just take your kids away from all this? Don't you wish we could just like take our kids away and just go like 
out in the middle of nowhere or something like that and just protect them, just, just keep them safe. And then it borderline starts to get weird and sound culty. It's like, yeah, we'll just like get a bunch of like-minded people and start a little life out there. And it's like, whoa, okay, this is getting weird. This is getting weird, right? Like a little too much like a cult. Um, but you do, you start to feel like you just love them. You love them so much and you want to protect them and you want to keep them safe. And it's all good stuff. Those are natural things that a parent should feel. Like you should want to keep your kids safe. You should want to protect them. But it's so funny how in the middle of those moments, I do feel God saying like, hey, of, of course, of course, I know you don't want anything bad to happen to your kids. I know you don't want them to, 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 to be a victim of violence or of hatred or anything. I, I get that. But there's so much more to life than me just protecting your kids and keeping them safe. That, that's, Jacob, if, if you were to really dive deep, a lot of that prayer is about what you want and what you're hoping for. And so the more I think about it and the more I've prayed on it, the more I've, I've, I've talked to God about it, my prayers have started to change a little bit for my kids. Of course, yes, I want them to be safe. Of course, yes, I want them to be protected. But I am reminded, because I have a proper perspective of who God is, that that's baked into the pie. He is a good and great God, and I can trust my kids with him. And so my prayers have started sounding different. They're less me-focused. God, protect my kids and make my kids safe, and I want them to be safe. And instead, my prayers have sounded a little bit more like, and this might sound funny to you, I've started praying, God, make my kids dangerous to the powers of darkness. Make them dangerous. I want my kids to be a threat to anxiety and to worry and to depression and despair. I want every time my kids to walk into a room where people are feeling like this is it and there's, there's nothing else here, that they're instantly a threat to those negative thoughts. Like that's the kind of kids I want to raise, kids who are constantly advancing the kingdom everywhere they go because that is not me-centered, that's God-centered. That's not my family-centered, that is kingdom-centered. And I didn't even realize these prayers that seem so selfless and they seem so, oh, this is a great thing for me to pray. I didn't even realize under the surface how selfish they actually could be. And so I know for me, God has been challenging me in so many different ways. Jacob, put your will to death. Jacob, put your will and your wishes and your wants, put them on the altar and trust me with them. Trust me with them. Trust that I am the kind of God that I say that I am, that I am a good God, that I am a great God. And as that's happened, as I've had a better perspective, I'm offering up better prayers. Uh, and I'm telling you, my, my prayer life is changing. It's, it's changing because I'm realizing who I'm talking to, who's got control of this whole thing, and that my will and my ways are, are, are just, they're nothing, <laughs> They're nothing. I don't see the whole picture. I want to trust God and his will and his ways above all else. So real quick, as we get ready to close today, I want to tie back into our, our, our series theme, how to survive a horror movie. Today is the, the least we've talked about horror movies in any of these uh, sermons, but I want to tie back in here at the end. Um, so a lot of us today, if you're either on site or online, chances are you're in a horror movie moment. Like you just, you are. Something's wrong. Something's wrong with a relationship. Something's wrong with your health. Something's wrong at work. And for some of us, you're in a horror movie moment that you did nothing to make happen. Like nothing. You, just, you, you, you got the diagnosis and there was nothing about your lifestyle that caused it. You're like, I, I'm floored. I'm just floored at this. There's people in here who you've been betrayed and you're like, I... I didn't even... I can't believe they said this about me. I can't believe they did this to me. I, I can't believe this happened... 
and you did nothing to make it happen. That absolutely is true, and that is the fact. But I also know that for a lot of us, and this is probably the greater swath of us, a lot of us who are in horror movie moments today in any area of our life, chances are we're in a horror movie moment of our own making, right? And for a lot of us, we may be right now trying to pray our way out of a situation that honestly, if at the forefront of it, we would have prayed God's way, we would have avoided in the first place. Like if our prayer life was marked by not my will, but your will, not my way, but your way, not my wants, but your wants. If that was our prayer life, chances are we wouldn't have even started down that road that led us to the horror movie moment that we're in right now. Um, in, in my life, one of my biggest stressors is just my schedule. Like it's just, it gets bonkers uh, because I have something to admit. I'm a people pleaser. <laughs> I am... Worst of the worst people pleaser. All, my only two responses to things are yes and maybe. I don't know, no. Like, I just don't know, no. It's, a, it's hard for me because I, I, I have a need to please and to tell people yes. Like, I, I hate saying no to things. And so what that does is whenever people ask me to do something or do this or do that, I always want to lead with yes or maybe. But if you keep those maybes long enough, you get close enough to the date or to the thing that you're kind of like, well, I kind of have to now. I've given them a maybe for this long. Like I'm kind of signed up for it now. And so my schedule will get crazy and it'll get overloaded. And I'm, I'm not kidding. This isn't hyperbolic. I'll, I'll double book or triple book and be like, oh my gosh. And so then I'm, I'm stressed out and I'm praying to God. And I'm like, God, if it's in your will, let these people cancel. Just let them cancel. <laughs> let, let, them, let them just need to cancel for some reason today. Like, right? Like, and, and I'll be praying like, God, why am I so overloaded? Why am I so stressed? Why am I so stressed? And it's like, well, because you've been following your will. You want everyone to think, oh, isn't he the nicest guy? He says yes to everything. Like, you're following your will. You're trying to control people's perception of you. Like, it's all you, 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 you. But if you had followed my way, if you had taken my yoke and my burden, if you have followed my teaching, this is what I tell you. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus tells us, hey, when you're talking with people, when you're dealing with people, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Just be clear with people. There's nothing unkind about being clear. Just be clear and you save yourself headache. You'll save yourself stress. You'll save yourself all of this. But here I am down the road with a crazy schedule, like, God, why would you let this happen to me? Like, why, would, why, why are things so stressful and so crazy? And it's like, man, I'm in a horror movie moment of my own making. Like, I did this. And the only way out of that, the only way out of that is to pray God's way out of it. So if you are feeling that inclination, you're in a horror movie moment, and you're like, man, I, I feel like I got to pray my way out of this. You absolutely do pray your way out of this, but you don't pray your way out of it by going, God, just change everything. God, just fix everything. God, make them be different. Like, that's not the kind of prayer that gets you out of it. That's prayer your way. Prayer God's way is what gets you out of those horror movie moments, saying, this is going to be hard, but I'm doing it your way. I'm not doing it my way anymore. I'm submitting myself to your will, and it's going to be hard, and it's going to be bumpy. I'm going to have to take some scary steps to get myself out of this, but, but I don't want my way anymore because my way is what led me here. I want your way. I want to surrender to your will, to your ways, to your way of living, to your way of doing things. And when you do this, the most wonderful thing 
happens. What you get, this is, this is what James is talking about when he says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful, effective, and it produces great works. The kind of stuff that you get whenever you pray prayers that have proper perspective, that remember who God is, and remember that this is not about lifting up your needs and wants, but laying them down. When you pray those kind of prayers, you know what God gives you? He gives you stability. He gives you confidence in life, and he gives you peace, like scripture says, peace that transcends all understanding. You, you can't even believe it. You, you may have to take some scary steps to get you out of the horror movie moment that you're in, but if you are praying proper godly prayers in the midst of those scary steps, you will be like, why am I so at peace? Why do I feel peace with this decision, even though it was terrifying? Why do I feel confidence making the step, even though it scares me? Why am I feeling more stable, even though in some ways I'm more, on more uncertain ground than I've ever been? That's what it's like whenever you follow things God's way. That's how Jesus was. That's how even staring down the cross without his voice quivering or shaking, Jesus could say, not my will, but your will be done. The same thing can happen in your life. And if you're in a horror movie moment, I'm telling you, it's the only way to get out of it. Pray God's way out of it. Follow God's way out of it. Now, what we want to do today in our closing moments, I'm going to ask the worship team if they would come up on uh, the stage in our closing moments, uh, we want to let you know that here at Cornerstone, um, we don't just say we believe in the power of prayer. Like It's not just a platitude. We, we truly do. Like We mean it. We put our money where our mouth is. And so what we want to have is uh, just an extended prayer time here in these next moments as we get ready to close out uh, today's service. We're going to have uh, some staff members, some ministry partners, uh, uh, pastors up here at the front. And if you have any prayer requests, Anything on your mind, anything on your heart, any wants or wishes or situations that you're like, man, I, I'm going through it right now. I'm going through it right now. And I know what I want, but I know that I need to lay that down on the altar and I need to follow God's will and God's way. If you have any prayer requests like that today, I would encourage you, please come forward. Pray with one of our pastors, with one of our ministry partners, with one of our staff members. Come and pray with them because we do believe that the prayer of a righteous person, the prayer of a person following God, it is powerful, it is effective, and it produces great results. So I'm gonna ask you if you would to go ahead and stand to your feet. And in these next moments as the worship team leads us, feel free to come forward and receive prayer. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.